Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here, back with a special edition of the Washington Weekly Podcast here on the UBS In The Now Podcast channel. Following recent developments surrounding student loan forgiveness here in the U.S., my guest will spend some time today outlining what we know, what lies ahead, along with the notable implications. So joining us for the conversation, glad to welcome back Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy, Shane Lieberman. Shane, great to be with you as always. Thank you for dropping by the podcast to provide some insight, clarity around this development. Thanks for having me, Dan. Good to be with you, and I hope you're having a great August. Likewise. Thank you, Shane. Yeah, it's moving by very quick, but everything's been well. And something that piqued a lot of our interest recently, this is going back, I know this topic has been talked about even dating back to perhaps the campaign trail and even further beyond that, though following what has been quite a period of speculation, President Biden did announce recently a plan aimed at relieving Americans of student debt with some specific parameters attached. So before we dive into the plan itself, Shane, can you share with us some thoughts around the timing of this? announcement from President Biden, and what has the reception consisted of thus far? Absolutely. And and I think, you know, as you mentioned, we've been talking about this for a while. And, you know, um, earlier this year, President Biden um, continued the uh, moratorium on um, uh, payments to on student uh, loans. And once we saw him place this uh, date that the moratorium would lapse at the end of August, we kind of circled that and it grabbed our attention, um, you know, because if he had let that continue to lapse, you know, it'd be quite a um, uh, interesting position to make people start paying student loans again, just as students were going back to school. So we circled it thinking to ourselves, you know, there would be another extension of the moratorium, which there was. The moratorium on uh, student loan payments now goes to the end of the year. And we thought it also set up the opportunity for him to finally uh, do something on uh, student uh, loan debt relief, which, you know, has been a topic uh, since prior to him being elected. It was a big topic in uh, the Democratic primary uh, for those uh, vying to be the presidential nominee. Um, and since he's been elected, you know, it's been something that, that came up regularly about what he would do. So, you know, as we were, as time went along, you know, we thought this would be the uh, right time for him to make an announcement, you know, uh, not only for the reasons I listed, but also, you know, right in advance of the midterm elections. So, you know, it's a good time for him to, uh, kind of remind voters of, of what, uh, him and Democrats are, So, Shane, diving into the plan itself, getting a bit more granular with respect to the details, what does the plan consist of? How will it be funded? And who exactly is eligible for the relief? I recall the president outlined some specific parameters around this. The plan here is that the Department of Education will provide up to $20,000 in debt cancellation to Pell Grant recipients with loans held by the Department of Education, and up to $10,000 in debt cancellation to non-Pell Grant recipients. Now, um, it's not going to be available to everyone. Borrowers are eligible for this relief if their um, income is uh, less than $125,000 or $250,000 
um, for married couples. Um, you know, and to your point, you know, this isn't going to help everyone. You know, uh, it's estimated that it will provide relief to 43 million borrowers, including the full cancellation of debt for roughly 20 million uh, student loan uh, borrowers. So, you know, I think there are some questions, though, about how this is going to happen because, you know, um, it won't happen immediately. Uh, you know, of, I think I said, 43 million people who, who will be helped by this, the Department of Education only has the information about those income limits I, I mentioned for about 8 million borrowers. So between now and the end of the year, essentially the Department of Education is going to set up kind of a um, uh, an application process, you know, to demonstrate that you don't exceed those uh, income thresholds. So uh, there'll be some time before, you know, this is all completed and, you know, that student loan debt uh, is forgiven. And I might add, in the meantime, you know, there may be court challenges that um, stop or delay this uh, from happening. So this is still somewhat fluid, and we shouldn't think of it completely as a done deal. Uh, you raised a very interesting point about who's going to pay for it. Um, this was asked at a White House press conference, and the White House press secretary, you know, pointed out that you know, they were emphatic that the um, student loan uh, moratorium uh, on payment on loan payments is going to end at the end of the year, and then people will, will resume payments. And, you know, I, I think that's noteworthy, but we shouldn't uh, think of that as that actually paying for it, because they'll be paying for the other loans that were not forgiven. So I think it's a, um, uh, what's really going to happen here is that, you know, this will just go on the um, uh, national debt and deficit, uh, and will will is estimated to add three hundred billion dollars to the uh, national debt. Um, so you know this may be a case of you know children and grandchildren years from now paying uh, for that. Now, in, in terms of next steps, Shane, to your point, it doesn't sound like this will necessarily be a quick turnaround as far as the forgiveness. And as you pointed out, it does remain a fluid circumstance. A lot can happen in between. But what needs to happen to get this plan implemented? I know there has been some questioning as to whether the executive branch, the president, does he or she have the power solely to implement something like this? What kind of role does Congress play? And what might be the timing as to when those who are eligible to begin receiving the relief will in fact see it? Yeah, no, that's, that's some great points you made because you're right. At the end of the day, we actually don't know if President Obama, uh, excuse me, President Biden actually has the authority to do this. Um, and that's one of the reasons why you can expect to see court challenges that may uh, delay it. So, you know, Congress may try and take some action, but I think with the given makeup of Congress, um, I don't see Congress, you know, uh, explicitly giving President Biden the authority to do this. Um, you know, uh, another noteworthy uh, component is uh, President uh, Biden um, in in his fact sheets on this has said that, you know, uh, debt forgiveness will not be considered taxable dollars for those who receive it. So that's uh, an important thing to note if you are one of those people who may be eligible for this uh, forgiveness. You know, and, and as I just mentioned, there is this process. So, you know, I think between now and the end of the year, we're going to have some uh, 
key moments where, you know, if you are a borrower, you've got to um, do a little bit of paperwork. Um, and also be mindful that on January 1st, that moratorium uh, on student loan payments uh, is probably going to expire. And so you, if, if you weren't forgiven all of your loans, you probably have some payments coming up in 2023. So, you know, um, you mentioned that, you know, we've been talking about this for a while. I think we're going to continue uh, to be talking about this um, occasionally because uh, there are still more developments to come. A lot of uh, questions still need to be answered, um, you know, and so there is some, uh, this isn't, you know, the end of this issue. Speaking of developments to come, Shane, if you don't mind, another question popped into mind, just being mindful of Election Day coming up. Now, I know there are prospects for Congress to flip from blue to red or perhaps one house of or one component of Congress, whether it be the House or Senate flipping from blue to red. Should that occur? Could that implicate the trajectory of this development or initiative? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, you know, I think we still think that Republicans are headed towards taking over the House. Um, But to your point, it may not be as wide of a, a margin as, you know, we were thinking a couple of weeks ago further, you know, I think the Democrats um, uh, have a good chance of taking over the Senate. Uh, so, you know, that does change the dynamic. So how uh, might this play out, you know, if um, Democrats still hold the Senate and Republicans take over the House? You know, the end of the year is going to be a flurry of activity from Democrats seeing what they can try and get done while they still have you know, uh, all the power levers in D.C. So this, uh, the election could impact how this plays out. Um, but, you know, what happens after an election is is fluid, especially as, you know, you get some members who, who are retiring who won't come back to vote or maybe someone who lost, you know, has such hard feelings that they aren't going to come back to D.C. much and be on hand to vote. So that can complicate um, matters in in the lame duck session. So uh, while there are things we always expect to happen in the lame duck, there's always going to be uh, an element of fluidity. And I think that's going to be heightened because uh, after this election, there's probably going to be some sore feelings uh, on both sides. All right. Well, a lot remains to be seen, it sounds like, though, Shane, this was very helpful, providing some clarity, level setting where this development stands as of today, how it can play out from here, and some thoughts around the timing as this might materialize. So, Shane, thank you for dropping by the podcast for this special edition. Wish you a nice week ahead, a nice upcoming Labor Day weekend, and looking forward to picking back up with our conversation again soon. Great. Thank you for having me. And I hope you have a great Labor Day. I look forward to talking to you in September. Sounds good. Thank you, Shane. Appreciate it, as always. Again, today we've been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. As a reminder to our listeners and their clients of UBS, please be sure to reference the latest Washington Weekly publication on UBS.com forward slash Washington Weekly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. 
As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.